Pass First Point Guard and Blazer Beat Writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, where we answer listener questions all episode long. There's a couple ways you can get involved. One, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, whenever you are thinking of a NBA or Blazers-related question, or increasingly as the season gets further and further away, any type of basketball-adjacent question, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. You can also wait for Monday mornings when around 9 a.m. Pacific time, I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet, I'll answer them on the show. In addition, I've revived the email address, so you can send questions to lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com, and I will... for first time in a long time, actually read those emails and answer those questions on the podcast. That's how you get involved. Let's just get right into it. This first question comes from Lincoln via email. As promised, I read the email and Lincoln asks, if you could add one all-star from the last three seasons or so to the Blazers roster at the start of next season, assuming everyone's back and healthy, that's currently on our roster, who would you add? Cap restrictions don't matter, but team cohesiveness and role does. So everyone's back is a little bit confusing to me here. So I'm going to assume that the core guys under contract are back and we'll worry about what the team does in free agency. But if I had to pick any all-star of the last three seasons, I think the answer is Anthony Davis. Your Your question implies a fit, which I'm reading means that you don't want to take the ball out of Dame's hands with another ball-dominant type. So for that reason, I'll stupidly eliminate LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry and James Harden. Let's assume that Kawhi Leonard is actually more of a diva than his outward demeanor suggests. So I think by your terms, let's get Kawhi out of there. To me, those are probably the five best players in the NBA, probably. So if we get rid of those, the list shortens now to Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Bradley Beal, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Ben Simmons, Luka, John- Luka Doncic, and Carl Anthony Towns, with honorable mentions to Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, and Chris Middleton. I think of those, Anthony Davis is the best fit in terms of playing next to the Blazers' big three. He can play a little bit of power forward next to Yusuf Nurkic. He's a wonderful fit next to Damon CJ, and he's probably not going to rock the boat too much personality-wise. We're going to assume that uh, he won't demand a trade in this scenario. Although, I will say this, I'd give healthy Clay Thompson serious, serious consideration. Another part of this email is Lincoln wanted to know uh, what my day job is and what my current role with the Trailblazers is. Uh, My day job, I work in commercial real estate. I'm a real estate appraiser. And my role with the team, I'm a part-time employee at NBC Sports. I cover all the home games. I'm in the locker room doing interviews. Um, I'm around the team, but only for the home games. So that role has changed a little bit. Hope that clears things up for you. Lincoln, next question comes from Jeff. Also via email, look, I read so many emails this week. I read, I mean, literally all of them, but I resp- I'm responding to two here. I'm becoming so much more responsible. I want some credit. Jeff asks, a lot of talk of maybe the season starting up in June or so. If this happens, I would assume the Olympics would also be on. Would the NBA still hold its playoffs if it conflicted with the Olympics? In other words, who wins? NBA or Team USA needs? So, Jeff, I responded to your email, said, thanks for the question. I'm going to add it on there. And then within 10 minutes, USA Today reported Monday afternoon that the Olympics are officially postponed likely until 2021. 
Let's assume that didn't happen. Let's assume that there was this conflict between the NBA playoffs and the Olympics. I will tell you right now, there is no way LeBron James is going to Tokyo with the Lakers in the playoffs. There's no way. There's just no way. The best of the the best of the best. Like, maybe you get Steph Curry because the Warriors are out of the playoffs. So maybe you get some NBA guys. But the dudes who are pushing for it, the guys who are who are who are going to be winning titles, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, if you're really optimistic. Those type of folks, they are they are first and foremost committed to the NBA, their NBA team, and I believe Team USA would understand that and try to work around it in some way and just send a bunch of the best players, like just send Zion Williamson. They would just send the best players from uh, teams that weren't in the like deep into the playoffs. And if we were still in the regular season, they might send college kids. Uh, I think Team USA wants to win gold medals, but you're not going to convince NBA guys to give up a chance to win a Larry O'Brien trophy. Next question comes from Amy Hall at Accounting Rocks on Twitter, who asks, which Blazers, which Blazers player will benefit the most from the time off or rest during the NBA hiatus? It's got to be Zach Collins, right? Uh, if the season does resume at some point, he's the most likely to be ready, whereas otherwise he might not have been ready. You know, Yusuf Nurkic was supposed to play the week that things got postponed. I think Rodney Hood is too far away. Everyone else, they can they'll they'll be good with some like bumps and bruises, some time like you know time to heal minor injuries up and minor things up, like Dame getting his groin 100% and all those things. But Zach was probably a couple weeks away and going to be right on the cusp of will he, won't he. Um, I think by the time the NBA season resumes, should it resume, and, and sounds like owners want to hold on to it as hard as they possibly can, then Collins would be the guy who benefits the most because he would maybe get back quote-unquote games that he missed. Okay, next question is actually two questions, two different people, same idea. Belgian Blazer at Belgian underscore Blazer on Twitter asks, if you were forced to stay with the current Trailblazer for one month during a COVID-19 lockdown, who would it be? And Jordan Poe at Jordan Powell 456 on Twitter asks, if you were to pick three current Blazers to go into a 14-day quarantine with, who would it be and why? So one month with one guy. 14 days with three guys. I'm just going to combine it and say three guys for a month. Uh, Rodney Hood would probably be my first choice. He's incredibly chill. He's got the perfect quarantine demeanor. Uh, Me and him get along really well. He razzes me about the Tar Heels. I remind him of uh, recent national championships Carolina has won. We would would get along fine, and he would be low-key enough to deal with for a month in lockdown. Uh, Second choice, Dame. So hopefully we can stay at his house. I imagine it's the largest. Give us the most room to spread out and hang out. Um, he's got a gym there. He's got a basketball court. He's got a pool. I think he's got some jet skis. feel like we could, we'd have a lot of fun. Um, you know, stay in a mansion during lockdown. That's uh, not quite my situation right now. So yeah, Dame's my second pick. Third pick is going to be Carmelo Anthony because he likes to drink expensive wine and listen to Marvin Gaye. And to me, that seems like the perfect vibe for these trying times is the Carmelo Anthony. He does like to play uh, music out of his phone, which is a pet peeve of mine. Like I I just, I like higher quality sound. Get yourself a a portable speaker, Carmelo. Come on. But uh, we could probably work something out while he hooks it up with expensive bottles of wine. Um, During the lockout, he, or during the lockout, during the hiatus, he's even made a video about going to a vineyard and drinking expensive wine because my man stays on brand. So Rodney Hood, Dame, and Carmelo are my choices. Hope that didn't disappoint. 
Uh, if you pick Hassan Whiteside, you just like more chaos than me. I feel like he's going to be fun and do chaotic things, but uh, that's just not my vibe. I mean, maybe it is my vibe for like the weekend or whatever, but it's not my vibe for uh, a month in lockup. I need, I need more predictable, more low-key energy in order to survive. All right, second segment, come back and answer more of your questions. Keep Mailbag Monday rolling. But first, I want to tell you all about Blinkist. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. And there is an incredible app that solves this problem. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is truly unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes you can read or listen to. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now, and it makes and it has a massive and growing library from self-help to business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. So right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. That's y'all. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com NBA to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also receive 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. All right, let's keep it rolling with more of your questions on this Mailbag Monday. This next one comes from David Knopp at KnoppDA on Twitter who asks, Potential minimum salary free agents you would like the Blazers to pursue this summer. It's not, if not specific players, then archetypes of what those players would and could be. So the Blazers need forwards. They need forwards. They need forwards. They traded all their forwards away. They didn't have any forwards. This seemed pretty obvious when Zach Collins and Anthony Tolliver were the only dudes on the roster who could realistically play power forward when the season started. Anthony Tolliver was not good at it. Zach Collins got injured. They ended up with none of them. They made some nice trades. I think Trevor Reza really helps the three position uh, signing Carmelo Anthony, I'm not sure he'll be back, but he was really useful, um, particularly early on when before Hood got hurt, uh, playing that four spot, offering some individual offense. But they're still thin at that spot. They need help. Even with a healthy Collins and a healthy Nurk, they're going to need help at the three and the four spot. Uh, assuming Rodney Hood comes back at some point, him and Ariza make pretty good th- threes like they have options of three so it's it's more of a four who who they can get at four you would preferably want them to be someone who could defend and shoot that's a hard thing to just pluck out of anywhere it's hard that's a hard position to find if you had a lot of money it's a much harder position to find when you have limited money and as you said minimum free agents so I've got a list for you here. I'm not sure any of these guys are definitely minimum guys. They're probably more than that. Um, a couple of them almost certainly more than that. But here's just some names that I would throw out there to consider, David, because you asked me to consider some names. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Play 4-5, can't shoot, but is uh, 
pretty good defender and good energy sort of chaos guy. Technically, a blitz is your draft pick. Uh, traded for Pat Connaughton, didn't you know make the press conference or whatever. But technically, a Neil O'Shea draft pick. Tory Craig, um, he's more of a three, but a, a defender with the Nuggets. You, I kind of think the Nuggets will have to let him go because they have to make some decisions. But Craig might very likely to garner more than the minimum on the open market. He's curious case, but Tory Craig could help. Malcolm Miller, uh, at sort of a two three, but a three small forwardy type, even though he's skinny with the uh, Toronto Raptors. I don't think he answers the defensive questions, but um, he's a name worth considering and might be available. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, a name that I know the Blazers have at least considered in the past. Maybe not in any real terms, but a a name that has been on the trade market and they've thought about. Um, It's... Michael Kidd Gilchrist is super flawed, can't shoot, um, was benched on a terrible Hornets team. He could he could help as a backup wing. I don't I'm not super excited about him, but certainly someone who could help. And the last one I got on the list is Damari Carroll, a guy who couldn't find playing time with the Spurs and then couldn't find playing time with the Rockets. I imagine he could join the Blazers and not find playing time in Portland. But he fits the sort of four guy who can shoot three. It's more of a four than a three in my opinion at this stage. Um, none of those are perfect fits, but there's some names to consider. Next question comes from Ryan at. R. Connell 27 on Twitter who asks, why are athletes and movie stars getting COVID testing? Do they have symptoms or is stardom the new quotient? And when a vaccine arrives, who will get that? Go Blazers. Look, Ryan, I don't, I want to keep this podcast light. I want it to be escaped from a challenging reality we're all in, but come on, man. Come on. You know that rich people and the wealthy have access to things that normal people don't. That is how our broken system works. It shouldn't be a surprise. Um, There's some explanations from NBA teams as to why teams and players have gotten tested, um, either because they've had certain exposure or because in the case of Rudy Gobert, they thought it would be a direct public health crisis considering he was you know, 20,000 people in the arena and all the exposure, but really it's because rich people have live a different life than many of the normal folks out there. No more bummers though. Keep it moving. Hotai Kim at Hotai underscore Kim 97 on Twitter asks, if Will Barton stayed, do you think he would have played two and with CJ off the bench, like a Lou Williams scoring punch? After this trade, I feel like Neil was very reluctant to trade away his own draft picks a la Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard. Agree or disagree? Um, I agree that Neil was reluctant. I think at the time of the Will Barton trade, he was trying to appease LaMarcus Aldridge. It was a trade that was widely considered a success. Even Greg Popovich went out of his way to say that trading Will Barton and Thomas Robinson for Aaron Aflalo was a great move. Aflalo obviously didn't work out. Will Barton is a pretty useful wing for the Denver Nuggets and has been like pretty solid except for the time that he got got booed a little bit by the home crowd last season. Uh, but, you know, up and down. life Life's like that. Do I think he would have started over CJ? Um, I don't, I really, 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 really don't, uh, Neil picking, like you said, he loves his guys. Neil picks CJ in the lottery. There is no way, particularly the following season. If you assume that everyone leaves and the Blazers are kind of starting from scratch, there is no way they don't clear the place out for CJ to be that starting two guard with Will Barton as that scoring punch off the bench. I think that might even be a better role for Barton. So yeah, I don't I don't see it happening the way you laid it out, but I do think you make a great point is that maybe 
Neil was always reluctant to make trades, and maybe that Will Barton um, deal really scared him from giving away his own guys and caused him to do things like hold on to Alan Crabb and Jake Lehman and let their contracts expire. Okay, next question from Tim A at PDXTimmy on Twitter who asks, Besides the obvious games, .9, 35-footer, four overtime game, Game 7 in Denver, etc., what slightly lesser-known games were highlights of your time on the beat so far and why? Okay, I've made a list, and I've said these before, but the, the two games in Houston where LaMarcus Aldridge went nuts. He had 46 and 18 in Game 1. He had 43 in Game 2. Um, he just wrecked them, and it was probably him at the close to the height of his powers. Um, certainly two of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Uh, particularly game two. He had just beat him up in game one. He had 46 and 18 and he fouled out. Dame had to carry them home. They knew LaMarcus had gone nuts in game one and he still came out and went nuts again in game two. Awesome back-to-back games. Uh, Other ones that come to mind earlier that season, Robin Lopez hit a game winner in Denver. It's the first week of December. Uh, It's my first year on the beat. And yes, for real life, Robin Lopez hit a game winner. Um, Truly, truly bizarre times, but it was that play that Terry Stotts has run a million times where you, it's big to big, you throw the ball to one of the bigs at the foul line and he immediately dumps it into the other big who's ducked into the paint right under the rim. LaMarcus Aldridge caught it, all eyes went to him, he made a quick pass to Rolo who flipped it in for an easy layup, Blazers win the game, ha 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 ha, take that, J.J. Hickson, who I believe was the Denver Nuggets starting center at the time. Uh, the next one from later that month, actually, I think it was the week of Christmas. It was, I don't think it was Christmas Eve cause that's dead, a dead time in NBA land, but I think it was the 23rd in Oklahoma city, December 23rd in Oklahoma city, the birth of Lillard time. Blazers came back from down 10 in regulation to one in overtime. Damian Lillard, uh, had 40 and was fantastic and tapped his wrist and yelled, you know what time it is. And after the game, for what it's worth, he said that was Lillard time. No one's ever seen that before. It was the birth of him naming a, his sort of clutch performances, the birth of the wrist tap, um, a game that I won't forget. Uh, one of the one of the really special games, uh, just in terms of hype in the locker room afterward. Thomas Robinson was yelling out from his locker. Dame's on the other side of the locker room. Thomas is on Thomas Robinson's on the other side and, and T Rob's yelling out. He he was bo- birthed by ice. He was birthed by ice. The pride of Lake Oswego. Um just like for anyone to hear. Just broadcast just yelling it to no one. It was great. Great moment. Uh, other games I'll definitely remember is Nurk's happy summer game against Denver. His first game against Denver, he went nuts. And then in a post-game interview broadcast to the entire arena, he says, I hope those guys have a happy summer. A truly epic Nurk moment. He was fantastic. Earlier that week, or yeah, maybe it was 10 days earlier, he'd had a monster game against Philly. Um, and it was just, this was, it was Nurk fever at its absolute finest. And him trolling the Nuggets was was perfect. Pure, pure Nurk. Uh, the, the last one, game 82 against Sacramento last season. Um, I talked about this on the previous podcast, but I thought the Blazers were trying to lose the game. They were trying to lose the game. And, and Anthony Simon, Scalabissier, and Gary Trent Jr. wouldn't let him. Uh, and it worked out really well for him. They ended up making the Western Conference Finals. But like the decision makers on the team had decided that they'd rather lose, play the Jazz, They've since maybe pushed back against that narrative a little bit, but uh, but they wanted to lose. They really did. They really did, at least according to, to a source with the team. Other sources have, have denied that, so there's some tension within the, within the team. But um, that, you know, 
Amphrey Simons has 37. They play six dudes. Most of them play at least 45 minutes. It was a truly special night, um, one that I will not forget because it was so strange. All right, let's come back in the third segment. Close out the show with more of your questions. All right. Still Mailbag Monday. Still past first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers. Let's keep it rolling. This next question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter who asks, Aliens landed Pioneer Square and tell you that they're willing to instantly cure the world of COVID-19 if either Dame makes a logo three, CJ makes a pull-up jumper, or Ellie Leonard makes a left-handed trick shot. Who do you choose to save the world? So Ellie Leonard, Myers Leonard's wife, incredibly gifted basketball player um does these little trick shots on uh the internet where she just aces 17 footers with either hand back to back swish swish right hand left hand just insane but i'm gonna immediately eliminate her because while she's a very good basketball player she is not in the top you know 0.01 percent in the world like damon cj they're two of the probably 50 best basketball players on earth 70 best basketball players on earth i mean they're it's Ellie Leonard is really good, but she's not that. Um, so Damon Lode is six, six for nine on the year from 35 feet and out, from 35 to 40 feet. That's really good. Uh, that's like, that. You don't, I don't need to do the math for you. Hitting six of nine from that distance is just wild stuff. It's two-thirds of them. CJ McCollum is shooting a perfectly even 50% on mid-range pull-ups. Or, excuse me, on all mid-range shots. He's 175 or 350 between 10 feet and the three-point line. He is also an even 50% on pull-ups, but that first number includes some uh, catch-and-shoot jumpers. Um, So, in theory, right, like Dame's hitting two-thirds of his shots is better than uh, CJ for 50%, but I'm going to say if it's unguarded and I just need someone to dribble into it to save the world, give me CJ from 14 feet. It's easier. (laughs) it's easier. Uh, Sorry, it just is. Uh, This next question comes from Amy Hall. Getting a second one in the show, Amy. Congratulations. At Accounting Rocks on Twitter who asks, Seems like it's been such a dramatic season with the NBA canceling the the season, um, being obviously the most dramatic part, and any other wildly dramatic or unpredictable seasons you can compare it to. Okay, no, there's nothing like this. Um, the sports world stopped. The world has stopped. This is an un, even outside of sports. This is an unprecedented time in our lives. Something that no one alive has really experienced. A, a global pandemic. This is truly um, a strange day. Strange days indeed. But if the closest thing that comes anywhere near to it is the shortened lockout season. Uh, lockout in 2011 the season started on christmas day they played 66 games there were uh, stretches of back-to-back-to-back games where guys would play or teams would play three in a row three on three consecutive nights like an aau tournament uh the blazers had a bunch of new parts they eventually in the spring quit on their coach and staged a a mini mutiny to get nate mcmillan fired at one point Raymond Felton welcomed fans to come visit him at his Pearl District condominium so he could fight them if they so chose. Truly, uh, the fu- that summer the team drafted Damian Lillard and things kind of kind of calmed down a little bit. But that season was as rocky as it gets prior to this. But there's nothing like this. All right, one last one to close out the show, and this one comes from my friend George Allen. 
uh, Pichon, Chaz, Chazwag, Big G, George, at George Allen 25 on Twitter, who asks, what, if anything, aside from being a pass-first point guard, did you learn or helped you the most from your Pio education? Which is, we went to Lewis and Clark College together. Was it the classes, books? Was it living in our dorm, Copeland? Okay, George. This question, the formatting of it confused me a little bit, but I've got, here are my things that I learned at Lewis and Clark College that helped me. One, I fell in love with the NBA during my time at Lewis and Clark College. I, I moved to Portland the same fall as Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. The Blazers were terrible. Um, I had always been a big basketball fan. Like I, I grew up in, in a, a truly wonderful basketball community, but I, I didn't, I, I and I followed the NBA. Like I, I, from the outside, I would have appeared like a big basketball fan, but I didn't truly love it and obsess over it until when I moved to moved to Portland I, and I became a Pio along with you. So part of what helped me at Lewis and Clark was just following the day-to-day ins and outs of the NBA, learning about the league, every bit of minutia I could possibly consume. Um, that that was one of the big things that, that I learned at Lewis and Clark. The other thing is I wrote for the school newspaper and did some real journalism covering... Um, Division three sports teams, uh, just just being around, um, just having to go talk to athletes, even if low level athletes, and ask them questions and tell a story and put it out on some sort of weekly deadline. That certainly helped me in my in my future as a as a newspaperman. Um, I guess I did a bunch of research too during my time at Lewis and Clark, and I learned that with some sort of combination of caffeine and Google that I could make stuff happen. I could start with very little knowledge. And if I really looked in the right spots and figured out where to look, I could learn a lot of things and become an expert. I think that helped me um, as a basketball journalist to some extent. And I also learned that you might have to lie because I had to lie to get my internship at Oregon Live, which launched my media career because no one at college, uh, no one at college wanted to sign off on me becoming an intern. Um, I was a history major, so getting a job with a media company confused the history department and the communications department didn't know who I was. So as a graduating senior, no one wanted to say, yeah, here, I'll be your intern advisor. So I just lied about what I was going to do at Oregon Live and uh, they somebody signed off on it and then that launched a decade-long career in media. So that's what I learned, Georgie. You also asked me what I'm reading during quarantine days in this uh, same tweet. Earlier, I finished up the memoir collection of essays, uh, The End of My Career by Martha Grover, a writer who lives in Gresham and um, writes sort of about working, living, experiencing life in a changing world of Portland, Oregon in the early 2000s or middle 2000s. I really enjoyed it. Quick read, um, but wonderful prose. Really enjoyed it. But now I have moved on uh, to Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. Uh, it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. It's by Matthew Desmond. was on New York Times bestseller list. Uh, I'm about halfway through it. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I love these types of books. This is right up my alley. That's what I'm reading right now. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Mailbag Monday. I guess we're closing the show on a non-basketball note. I guess that makes sense, but we'll come back next week. There'll be more basketball-adjacent things to talk about. In the meantime, do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. In that same vein, if you're listening to Hoops Podcasts right now, why not check out another podcast on the Locked On Network? 
It's called Rejecting the Screen. It's a national show. You'll really enjoy it. If you enjoy this podcast and enjoy people pontificating on hoops, you probably enjoy that show where they interview people who are in and around the league, either former players or coaches or current players and coaches. Check it out. Rejecting the Screen in the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, you know how to do it. Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or email lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.